Welcome to the Accelerator Podcast, covering the church and church planning in the South. Accelerator is a resource of the 242 Network, the church planning arm of the Mississippi Baptist Convention. The 242 Network exists to assess, train, and support church planners. In each podcast, we will interview church planners and pastors around the South to gain knowledge and insight into ministry to further God's kingdom and church. And now, with your host, Ryan Tillman, we welcome you to the Accelerator Podcast. So, uh, Philip Thurman is with us today on the Accelerator Podcast, and uh, Philip, thanks for joining us. I look forward to uh, talking with you and just uh, getting to um, talk about some things that you absolutely love and that you're a part of. That's awesome. Thank you, Brian. I'm honored to be a part of it, and grateful for what you guys do and glad to share a little bit. I, I'll tell you more about my failings than I will about my successes, but uh, that's just part of part of the way it is. As all of us. Yeah. And uh, so we uh, we like to kind of fall forward and that's yeah. what we hope for at least. Uh, Philip, I have uh, I've known you from, from afar, so to speak, and I've watched a number of, uh, you call them talks, right? Yes. Watched a, a number of talks at Vertical uh, through your online services and from the outside, since I've known you probably 10 years, 13 yep. years, yep. I remember meeting you down in Hattiesburg yep. at, a, uh, at a church planner conference that uh, the Mississippi Baptist Convention was putting on, and I have loved you, huh. been challenged by you uh, for one thing in particular, your passion for the lost, your passion for those folks who are far from God. Mm. And um, I would love for you to just speak about that a bit and maybe uh, maybe how that was fostered in you and how that how that's uh, just been a passion of yours. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Brian. I, I love you guys. I love what River Bend, River Bend is doing, what you're doing, the 242 Network and all of that. You guys are awesome. Thanks for being encouraging and allowing guys like me to be a part of your organization that doesn't necessarily fit into a mold or whatever. Uh, what a, part of my upbringing that a lot of folks don't know, I was a missionary kid for um, about 18 years of my life. My parents were missionaries for 35 years in a very difficult country, a Muslim country. And for the first 18 years, I saw church in a very different light. And in order for where my parents worked, they were the only Christians many times when they would step into a village, into a community. My parents were very unique missionaries. Uh, We did not live in the capital cities. And again, nothing against capital cities or big cities, but my dad was a rural village evangelist. He's from Arm, Mississippi. Nobody knows where Arm is. It's outside of Monticello. You don't know where Monticello is. It's outside of Brookhaven. You don't even know where Brookhaven is. It's outside of Jackson. Uh, So my dad's from a really small town. I think that was just part of his upbringing of what Mm -hmm. God had done in his life. So even as a kid growing up, I I lived in, in small rural countries in Bangladesh. I mean, like, we rarely had running hot and cold water. We rarely had electricity in our home. We were the first white people in most of the villages that we would go into. And so I watched my dad and mom work with a group of people, Muslims and Hindus and people that didn't believe in God, atheists and all of that, and begin to watch my dad and mom live out their faith through just loving people, loving as Christ would want them to love. And so I watched that from a very unique perspective as a kid. And I watched them be very successful, humanly speaking. I mean, yeah. churches coming up. And, you know, I, I, in my latter years of life, I would watch a pastor who had a fourth grade education preach on a Sunday, 
nothing like I would have thought it would have been, and people were coming to Christ, to the capital city of Dhaka where you've got a, a PhD trained professor, teacher, seminarian, biblical teacher, and you were seeing people come to Christ. So I had this picture in my head that people were coming to Christ whether they were illiterate or literate. Mm -hmm. Fast forward, come to college in America, and, and I, I got so frustrated because I saw denominationalism and I saw these cookie cutters. If you're a Southern Baptist, we do things all this way. If you're a Presbyterian, we do things all this way. If you're Methodist, we do things all this way. Yep. And, and it began to wrestle with me, and I began to be known as the minister to why as I served in many other churches. Why are we doing that? Why are we spending that kind of money? And so it just began this wrestling in my own heart that if I'm going to be in America, I've got to live as a missionary in America. And I believe that there was enough lostness in my area that I could be involved in helping reach lostness. That was just kind of who I am. I'm an evangelist, an A-type personality, Myers-Briggs, extroverted, yeah. uh, an eight on the Enneagram, if you do the Enneagram. I'm yeah. a red on the color diagram. I said this, you heard that series, if you, if you yeah. know anything about that. So um, I, I just... I'm just a go-getter kind of a person. And so as I began to look at where I was living at this time, I was on a church staff of a mega church at the time and really wrestling with this whole thought of what God's calling me to do. I'm an evangelist at heart. Even in my secular work experience, I was an evangelist. I would share my yep. faith with people. And so it just kind of came from this upbringing as a missionary kid. And uh, then I began to do research about my county. And I began to realize that 68% of my county were not involved in church, and that just that just rocked me. I mean, the buckle of the Bible Belt, yeah. and 68% of the people in my county don't go to church. So I began to look at things differently, and I began to look at my neighbors on Sunday morning. I'd stay home. I'd ask for permission from my traditional church. Hey, can I come in an hour later? I just want to see what my neighbors are doing so I can figure out how to do that in the traditional church. Yep. And when I started giving ideas and program ideas of what we wanted to do, it was very quickly shot down. So I thought, well, the only way to really be able to focus on reaching lostness is by me stepping out and starting something from the ground up. So now that we, uh, we have a little picture about uh, what makes you tick, so to speak, um, let's, let's talk about uh, what you started, what was it, 18, almost, almost 20? Almost, almost 16 years. 16 years Yeah, this ago, October. Um, you started uh, then what was known as LifeBridge. Yep. And you were... Uh, you, you saw this uh, whole area of ministry where you could let your kind of rebel go, mm. and um, and you started LifeBridge. So talk to us about uh, how that um, that vision to plant a church was birthed. I know you, you yeah. said hey, all these things were being shut yeah. down, but but how that came also to fruition. Yeah, absolutely. So as I'm serving in these churches, I, I begin to realize a, a lot of things, not necessarily negative about the leadership of those churches, but things that God was doing inside of me, that he was trying to grow me as a leader. Yeah. And I, I begin, I, I do a lot of reading. I read secular books. I read Christian books. I read all kinds of stuff. I enjoy reading. And so one of the things that, I, that kind of was coming around at that point was vision, 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 vision. And I began to think about what I like to do. I read Proverbs every day. I'm, I've been reading Proverbs for 16 years now, yeah. a proverb a day with my quiet times and all that. And, and there's a proverb that says, where there's no vision or where there's no revelation, people perish. And that just really rocked me. And I thought, man, if, if God is calling me into the ministry, which I ran from that for a long time, yeah. but if God is calling me to kind of lead an organization, to be in charge of an organization, I had to have a vision. And so I had been praying for years about vision. What does that look like? Even serving on the church staff, God, what's my vision in this ministry, my life, for the church? 
And uh, as I began to look at that, I began to look at churches in the area, all denominations, not, not just a slam to my Southern Baptist that I was in, but to all denominations. And very few folks were really serious about wanting to reach lostness. They would talk about that, but they didn't really live that. And, and I began to ask questions, well, why? Well, because we've got to have money coming in, so therefore we've got to, have, we've got to keep this group of people happy. Oh, so we're running church to keep these group of people happy while we neglect those who are dying and spending an eternity away from God. I mean, they're going to hell. And so it, it just began to really resonate with me. And so very vividly, as I began to pray about that, I began to see God saying, Philip, I want you to do a church very different. Not, not to slam anybody else, or do, but it's just for you to step out and to be serious and be intentional about reaching people who are far from God. So I began to pray about that, began to think about that vision, began to read everything I could about that, try to go to conferences. At this time, this was 16, 17 years ago, Church planting was not the cool thing to do. No, it wasn't. You know, now it's kind of a, it's a cool thing. And I don't mean that in a negative way, but yeah. we need more churches. Yep. But it's kind of become, hey, man, if you want to do something really cool and be a rebel, go be a church planter. You can do your own thing, and, yeah. and it happens. And that's great. I'm, I'm grateful God's using that. And I want more churches in my community that are planting churches too. Yep. So I, I have a heartbeat for that. But I, I just began to, to look. And so at that time, I was looking at Craig Rochelle at Life Church. And what are those guys doing? And so I went to their uh, church planters boot camp and listening to what they're doing. Uh, Fellowship Church, Ed Young out of Dallas was doing some things, C3. And I went out there and looked at some of their stuff and how they're doing church. And then began to hear about Andy Stanley at North Point and how they're trying to reach a whole different crowd of people. Willow Creek was really going strong at this time and learning about that. Christian Community Church and Las Vegas and things started popping up and I began to learn and, and see things. And so this vision just began to really birth inside of me. Man, I saw this on the mission field, and, and I can bring this perspective to America and look at America, Mississippi, predominantly where I am, yep. as a mission field. If 68% of the people in my county aren't involved in church, what do I need to do? And so this is where God began to really birth a vision inside of me. It was very specific. My call to plant this church was very specific. It was on the mm -hmm. west side of I-55, North Madison County. That's where we are now. Yep. Uh, so for me, it was a very specific calling. But I've talked to other guys who, man, they're open to wherever. I'm, I'm open to planting a church. Yeah. And it could be in America. It could be in Africa. They're cool with that. Yep. For me, it was very specific to reach the unchurched. And this is what I've laughed about this, Brian, because having grown up in the country I grew up in, I was in the poorest country at this time. Haiti has now taken over that, that recognition. But at the time I grew up, we were in the poorest country in the world. And God put me to plant a church in the wealthiest county in the state of Mississippi. Talk yeah. about a sense of humor. Yeah. So I had to have a vision. So, so you took that vision. LifeBridge began. You planted LifeBridge some 16 years ago. And uh, along the way, kind of that vision changed a bit because you and uh, Northridge Church in uh, the Jackson metro area kind of merged together and y'all became a, a multi-site church for a few years yeah. and uh, talk to me how talk to us about how how that vision remained yeah. but also kind of morphed or changed some yeah as, as they came as y'all came together and I was going to tell you this our, our vision never changed uh, okay. the, the vision stayed the same our vision was to reach lostness and that that mission that vision statement and our mission statement are two separate statements those have remained the same through the okay. whole consistency it's our strategy that we begin to look at what what are we going to do how can we impact more folks so I was uh, at LifeBridge, and I began mentoring a young guy named Eric Smith, about 15 years younger than myself. Mm -hmm. And he was in my backyard. I had a campus uh, literally three miles from here. Yep. 
And uh, we began to mentor, mentor, hang out, just built a real friendship. I was grateful to have him in the area because he was penetrating lostness, really going in, but reaching a younger crowd that I wasn't able to reach. And so we would hang out periodically about once every other week. We'd hang out for a couple hours and talk and what are you learning? And he would share some of his frustrations. He was a lot smaller in size than we were at the time and yet growing. They were growing every yeah. week and seeing incredible things happen. And so we just began this process of a friendship. And um, he had a campus down in Jackson and a campus up in Madison. And he was teaching live at both of those. And one day we're sitting together and we're sharing stories and just talking about things. And both of us, without batting an eye, looked at each other and said, you know, we're doing a lot of the same things. Why don't we do it together? We could do this together. We could, it could be better together. And we could have a greater influence. You guys have people, Philip, uh, LifeBridge. You guys have got resources. You've got people. You've got money. You've got trained people. We're young. We've got a young leadership team. We've got young people that are involved in our church. We figured out how to reach millennials that you guys maybe haven't been able to reach. So let's... Let's figure out how we can bring all this together. And by the way, we've got a campus in Jackson, and we'll have a campus up here. This campus up here will just merge into LifeBridge. Yep. So we'll have two campuses. And then a month later, oh, by the way, I'm from Corinth, Mississippi. This is Eric talking. Yep. And I've already got a campus going to launch in Corinth with my family and friends. We've got about 60 in the core group, so we're going to have a campus up there. So went from one campus to three overnight. Yep. And then that opened up a couple of more campuses that we were able to do and had that influence. Incredible stuff. God did incredible things with that. And then as it would work out over about a year, year and a half, uh, Eric had some things going on in his family's life. His wife had a job opportunity, medical opportunity that was incredible in Montgomery, Alabama. A church there began to pursue him. Long story short, they felt led of God to go there. And um, while honestly, a lot of that was Eric's idea and birth, I really was excited about that and seeing that. But one of the things that became very difficult to do is we was how do we keep this vision going through all these campuses with me being here at the main place and you've got these other campuses. How do you keep pouring into the guys? And most of the, the campus pastors were bivocational. Okay. So they can't come to staff meetings and they, they can only come to certain things. And so communications are falling through the gaps. And there's a lot of things I would do differently. And I still believe in multi-site and we may one day come back to that. Yeah. But it just did not work for the time and the season the merger happened. There was a lot of things that happened with that, a lot of energy staff that got burned, lay people that were with us from the very beginning that were upset. They didn't like the other group coming in. Yeah. And so we just needed some time to heal. And so we just felt like God was saying, hey, your season of multi-site needs to kind of slow down. We still have a campus up north, but they're their own campus, Vertical Corinth. Yep. They use our video. They use our uh, small group curriculum. They use our devotionals. Mm -hmm. But they're responsible for raising their own support, their own leadership team, their own direction. But they use everything else that we do, and, and we're still looking at how that needs to play out. One, one of the things that uh, you just stated, and it hit me, um, and it hit me for, for River Bend, and something that, I, that I've talked to you about in the past, um, is communication. Mm. And how do you communicate with staff and with leaders here at Vertical? Because when LifeBridge and Northridge came together, y'all changed your name to, to Vertical, Vertical, and so it's now Vertical Church, yep. Madison. Yep. Um, but how do y'all communicate uh, on a regular basis? What does staff communication look like? Your leaders... How do, you, how do you communicate yeah. and stay in contact with your folks here at Vertical? Yeah, so so there, there are a number of tools. I'll just tell you some real practical stuff. Yeah. Like with our staff team, what we do, with our small group leaders, with our advisor team, which is like our elder or deacon board, we call it advisor team, mm -hmm. uh, we use Slack. 
And so we stay okay. very connected through That's Slack. An That's, That's an app. app. Yeah, it's okay. an app that folks can use. Yep. It's free. It's downloadable. And you can upload files, Google documents, and all that okay. kind of stuff. So we, we are very big on staff. And so we've got lots of different channels that we use on that. Uh, of being able to communicate back and forth. We also use another app that's a web-based, I think it's web-based, uh, called uh, Basecamp, okay. which is an action-based thing. We can go in there and program things out, time things out, so the staff team can go in there and look at what we're doing, what we're working on, what we're not working on, what needs to be completed, what's coming up to be completed. Okay. It sets deadlines, all that kind of stuff that can take place. Uh, so that, that's some real practical. We have staff meeting every Tuesday that meets as well. And then after staff meeting, we have five team meetings that take place every month, twice. So let me give you an example. We have our service program team, our family ministry team, our adult ministry team, our GO team, which is our our missions and all that stuff, and then our ministry services, which is HR, finances, employee, manual, all that kind of stuff. So these five teams. So on the first and third Tuesday of each month, three teams will meet, like our SPD, adult, and ministry team may meet, and then go and family ministry will meet the next, the second and fourth fourth. Tuesday. So there's a lot of high-touch interaction that's going on there. We're hearing from each ministry, my executive team, which are made up of a man and a woman. Mm -hmm. One is operations, executive director for operations. One is executive director for discipleship. So they meet with those teams every other week. What's going on in your area? Uh, here are some big things that we as a church are getting ready to do. We need to push these things out. So it gets communicated verbally through Slack, uh, through meetings. And then Ben, who is our discipleship director, he meets uh, every other month with every staff member face-to-face. So that's a personal time, but it's also a ministry time to say, hey, here's some things that are coming up. Here's some things we want you to know about. So let me make sure I'm, I'm catching all of this. And uh, for all our listeners out there, you have a staff meeting, whole staff once a month? A whole staff every Tuesday. Whole staff every Tuesday. 11 to 12 over lunch. We do uh, devotions, Bible study at that point. Yeah. But then every other week, there are three teams that are meeting. First and third, there's a group that's meeting. And then two on second and fourth. Two on second and fourth. Yeah. So that major things church-wide and also things in their area are communicated all the bumps are kind of ironed out so everybody it's it's for discipline that there there are times where we have to say hey we saw this event you did and it didn't work well let's talk about it so it's an evaluation time it's a disciplinary time it's an accountability time but it's also a preparation time as well prepping for things that are coming up making sure things don't fall through the cracks yeah that's that's gold that that's good stuff Thank you for uh, yep. for sharing with that, and um, and just being open, talking about the inside sure. of of church, so yep. to speak. Um, one thing that you challenged me with that I absolutely love. I talked about it a little bit um, at the at the beginning was your love for the nations and your love for uh, for missions. Talk talk to our listeners a little bit about. Um, just where you've been. Yeah. Uh, I know Bangladesh is uh, is in your heart. Mm. You love it. And uh, even though you live in Mississippi, you love being over there. And just some of the uh, connections that you have. But also, um, as, you, as you tell us about that, tell us um, also how you get folks at Vertical to, uh, to love what you love. Mm. And that being, being missions. Yeah, thanks, Brian. I appreciate you pulling that out and, and sharing that uh, because that is, that is one of my heartbeats. It's part of our mission statement. We want to connect people to God, to each other, to live sent. 
we feel like that last piece is a missional part of it, that yeah. it, it's tying in the Great Commission, go into all the world. So for, for some of us, our world may be right here, our back door. It may be North America, it may be the world. And, and the thing I think that drives me when it comes to the missional aspect of our church is Acts 1.8. Uh, when we look at that, it says that you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the utter ends of the earth. And so many times I feel like that the American church, and, and the church in general, not just the American, the, the church in general, um, hears that and they make it about and or or. Well, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem or Judea or Samaria or to the ends of the earth. Yeah. So pick one and, and do one. Yeah. So if you want to love your neighbors, just really love your neighbors. But when I read the text, even in its original text, it doesn't say or. It doesn't say consider one or the other. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So it was almost like this this sphere of influence where I've placed you. I want you to be a missionary. Mm -hmm. And then that ring's going to grow larger. I want you to be a a missionary. That ring's going to get larger. I want you to be a missionary. And then that ring's going to get even larger. And I want you to be a missionary. Mm -hmm. And I'm amazed at how many leaders that read the scriptures that I read, and and they, they, they just focus on one area. And so for me, it began this burden that, that I, I need to help our people understand that God's desire is for the nations. And it may be locally, it may be in my continent, but it may be even to the world, it may be to the most darkest corners of the world. And I've got to challenge folks to go. So, so how do I get our people involved? I'll tell you, there are a number of ways. Yeah. One is talking about it on Sundays. I mean, there's not a Sunday. This Sunday, I'm, I'm doing a series called Hope For. And this, it's our missions policy. For four weeks, we're going to talk about our mission endeavors, yep. our rings of influence, yep. our Jerusalem, our Judea, our Samaria, and our ends of the earth. We're going to talk about it for four weeks. I'm going to wear people out. But, but I want them to hear the heartbeat. I want them to hear that this is something that God is calling us as followers of Christ to be about. So our draw is going to be the refugees in Bangladesh right now. I'm working as a nonprofit organization, as a humanitarian in the refugee camp with many of the governments in Bangladesh where I grew up. Okay. Most of the people don't even know there's a refugee crisis in Mississippi. That's the largest refugee crisis in the world is in Bangladesh. And so I'm trying to help my people have this awareness. But at the end of the day, the calling is that every follower of Christ, that when we hear of a need, if we have the ability to meet that need, we need to meet that need. And so part of my calling is to talk about that. There's never a Sunday that I teach that I'm not talking about the refugee or the church planter that I'm working with in Taiwan or the guy that I'm working with in Vicksburg, Mississippi or the coast or wherever that I'm able to. So I'm casting that vision as I'm talking about it. I I meet one-on-one with people and I challenge people to go. Uh, My Bangladesh team leader now is a lay guy Mm -hmm. and he does not miss a trip. It happened because of a personal sitting down with him and going, Stephen, I see your heart. I hear who you are. I know your love for people. Would you come and go to Bangladesh with me? And he said, yes. Now Stephen is my biggest recruiter. I'm getting ready to go do a church plant thing in 2020 in Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia. Mm -hmm. Stephen has already, we're a year away from this, a year and a half away from this event. He's already recruited six men to go with us to Kuala Lumpur because I can take as many as I want to take there. Some of those guys don't even go to our church. Some of those guys don't even go to church. Stephen is now working on those guys as a lay guy to say, hey, man, I want you to come and go to Kuala Lumpur with me and my pastor. We're going to go do this thing. We'd love for you to hang out. And God's going to give me an opportunity to connect with those guys in a, in a hostile setting almost, in a hotel room in Kuala Lumpur yeah. to talk about mission and vision and what, we're, what God is calling us to do. We're also very engaged locally uh, within the area, so we talk about that. So I, I'm involved with that. My family's involved with it. Our staff team are involved with it. When I do a trip, I try to take one of my staff members with me so that I can expand that influence. 
Because if it's just me going and talking on Sunday morning, that's great. So I'll give you a great example. As I'm getting ready to go to Kuala Lumpur 2020, I'm looking at my worship guy. He, he hasn't gone anywhere. I want, I want my worship guy going with me. I love that guy. He's an incredible leader. He's a phenomenal leader. But I want him to have a heart for the nations. He may not ever go again after this trip. So I'm going to pay for him to be able to go on this trip. I'm going to spend time with him on this trip. And he's going to be able to see pastors from persecuted countries that have been beaten for their faith, that have been imprisoned for their faith. And he's going to have the opportunity to see what God is doing in their life. He's going to come back here. He's going to be a better staff member because he may not ever go again, but he's experienced and tasted what those people are going through. And he'll always remember that persecuted pastor that he talked to at that conference. He's better. Our church is better. Our people will be better for that experience. That is uh, amazing to hear. Hear the passion in your voice um, for the nations. It is a, uh, is a great need, a desperate need for us to be on mission where we are and also all around the world. Um, one or two more, two more items. Uh, before we, we get out of here, talk to, talk to maybe one of our listeners uh, is, is there going through a, uh, uh, a tough time in a established church. Maybe they're on staff, you've been there. Uh, and they have a passion. They're not mad at the established church, but they have a passion. They feel God calling them to a new work. Talk, talk to them. Uh, talk to us about, hey, if, if God's calling you to this, he's giving you the tools, go, go for it. Yeah. I, man, absolutely, and, I, and I'm probably not a good guy to answer this question, quite honestly. Yes, you are, because, I, because you were there. You were there. So, so I, I was there. I was in a very established church, a great church, benefits, yep. salary, and all of that. And the, the calling of God was so strong on my life that I was willing to leave. We were going to create a fruit stand in our community and call it First Fruits and be open Monday through Saturday to build relationships with people and have vegetables and fruits and all that kind of stuff. And then on Sundays, we were going to have church in the fruit stand just from the relationships that we had developed. So, so we were leaving regardless of anything. I, I had never planted a church. I didn't know how to plant the church, didn't know what that was about, didn't have money, didn't have the influence, didn't know how I was going to do any of that. But it was just this calling that God had placed on my life to reach the lostness of my county. And I would go to bed at night thinking about it. I'd wake up in the morning thinking about it. And it was not a negative thing to the church that I was in, the established church. They're still functioning, doing some great work. God is using them in a powerful way. So I, I want you to hear me say that. Yeah. And one of the things that I had to do, Brian, going back for the three churches that I worked in, I had to go back to my senior pastors later on and apologize to them. because, And I did that. I did that to every one of them to say, listen, I, I probably pushed too hard, but here's why, because I have this... this apostolic evangelistic nature inside of me and I didn't feel like our church was going in that direction so I was pushing you and I was making you angry and you were frustrated with me serving on your staff you liked me because I was a go-getter yeah. the ministry grew the church grew as a result of what I was doing or what God was doing through me yeah. but but I was just unsatisfied in sitting at that and so I would say to those men who are sitting there women who are sitting there with this burden and, and you don't have all the tools you got everything I mean, if you got God's Holy Spirit, I'm telling you, you have everything you need. You're talking about a kid from Bangladesh who was barefoot growing up, who had nothing, mm -hmm. ends up in Mississippi, does not have the network and the relationships and the friendships that I should have to have this church. And now 16 years later, that grew out of 16 people in the den of my home, 
to now we'll have almost 1,500 here for Easter. I mean, it's unheard of. We're yeah. growing and God's doing things. We're baptizing people every year. We're seeing lostness being penetrated. We still aren't making a dent in my county, but we're trying. Yeah. Um, I would say you have got to go. Um, it, you'll never, it's like, it's like having a child. You know, my wife and I sat around and said, we'll have a child when we're ready for it. Well, when are you going to ever be ready? You never have the money. Never. You're never prepared for the discipline. Never. You're never prepared as a husband and wife to do that. Never. So what do you do? You get pregnant, and you figure out how to do it. And now I've got three kids, and we figured out how to do it. Yep. Um, you, you just have to do it. And, and I think there's something about, and I talk about this with our people all the time, it's about you being faithful in the, in, in the small things that God gives you. And then that little faithfulness that you have intersects with God's faithfulness. And that faithfulness does incredible things. I love to use the word obedience. When I am obedient, in the middle of that word is the word die. Obedience. So if I'm going to be obedient, something has to die. In my obedience, my selfishness, my pride, my fear of failing has got to die. If God is telling me to do something, then the responsibility is on God to come through on that. Now, I need to be sure that that's God. But I am confident when I step out, I have prayed, I've sought wise counsel, I've listened to his word, I've read his word. If I am obedient, then I've got to let the things of my life and my fear die. The middle of that word, obedience, I love that, die. Something's got to die in order for that obedience to flourish. And then the responsibility falls on God. Philip, you have have given us some uh, golden nuggets uh, in those last few statements and all throughout our time today. I appreciate you taking time out to, uh, to share with me, to share with us um, what God's been doing, what God is doing, and the promises that he has, uh, he's got for us in the future. Before we get out of here, would you please, I'm going to put in the uh, show notes below for sure, but uh, would you share with us how folks could get in touch with you or get in touch with, with what's going on at Vertical? Yeah. Give us some social media Hashtags and absolutely be glad handles. to do that. Uh, I, I'm on. Uh, I personally am on Instagram and Twitter at, at Vertical Philip. Okay. Uh, that's with one L, Philip with one L. So Vertical okay. Philip. Our, our church is LiveVertical.tv. Um, you can go there and get all kinds of information. We also on Facebook, Instagram, uh, Twitter. We, we do all of that. So we're on social media, very involved with that. Thank you very much for uh, for tuning in, listeners, and thank you, Philip, for uh, joining us today. Enjoyed it. Thank and, you, buddy. Uh, look forward to what God has in store. Absolutely. We hope that you've been encouraged by today's podcast. For more information on church planning, visit the 242 Network on the web at 242network.com.